TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. This hump day, this late afternoon, the 17th of June, the year 2020 brings you another Scoop episode. It is episode 301. Hallelujah. As I'm recording this, news seems to be developing that in the coming days, we will have an agreement, Major League Baseball and its players union. Let's have baseball by mid-July. Hallelujah. About bleeping time. Thankfully, Rob Manfred, Tony Clark got together in Arizona earlier this week, had a face-to-face meeting. There was no public bickering, no bickering through the media. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, let me empty out my figurative notebook. Then we'll get to conversations with Sean Johnson, Twin Scouting Director, reviewing the 2020 draft. Booth Gotch, the newest member of the Gophers. And Max Meyer's dad, Kent Meyer. It was fun hanging out with him last week after the Miami Marlins made Max the number three pick in the amateur draft. In no particular order, some NBA draft news. Zeke Naji, former Hopkins High School star, former Arizona star, the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year, interviews this week with the Phoenix Suns and Orlando Magic. He will interview next week with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He remains in Las Vegas training at Impact Basketball. He's been training with Christian Wood, who will hit the jackpot this summer as a free agent. Had a good year last year with the Detroit Pistons. And that particular establishment trains many NBA players going back many years, guys like Kyle Lowry and others. So Zeke Naji getting in solid pre-draft work. The aforementioned Booth Gotch had a pre-draft interview with the Orlando Magic, was set to meet with the, at least virtually, the Atlanta Hawks, but he is not keeping his name in the NBA draft. He will withdraw his name from the NBA draft in the near future. He will play for the Gophers next year. The question is, will he be eligible to play? We'll get to that when I have Booth on the podcast. I would say momentum is moving in the right direction for Booth to be immediately eligible with the Gophers. Sakar Annam, former DLSL high school star, the pride of Minneapolis and Marquette, has had recent pre-draft virtual interviews with the Sacramento Kings and Detroit Pistons. Daniel Oturu and Trey Jones have been training together here in town, here in St. Paul, a little bit at McAllister and a little bit at Creighton Durham Hall High School. Trey's older brother, Tyus Jones of the Memphis Grizzlies, has also joined them for workouts. Malik Beasley is not believed to be in town right now, but he was in town a few weeks ago. When he was in town, he was training in the gym at McAllister. Continuing the basketball theme, earlier this week was the first day that college coaches could reach out to 2022 recruits. On the boys' basketball side, the class of 2022 here in Minnesota is really, really deep. The Gophers spoke with each Minnesota player in the Rivals' top 150, Each one holds a Gophers offer. You've got Cam Hyde of YZ, Prince Alegbe of Minnehaha Academy, Trey Holloman of Creighton Durham Hall, Kendall Blue of Eastridge, Eli King of Caledonia, Elvis Naji of Hopkins, and Chase Carter of Minnehaha Academy. Chase is the son of former Gopher forward Randy Carter. On the baseball side, the Twins have three scouts at a perfect game showcase right now in Birmingham, Alabama. That's the max amount of scouts they can have there. All three scouts were able to drive to Birmingham. So the Twins at this point don't want their scouts hopping on airplanes, but these three scouts were close enough to be able to drive to Birmingham. And it's great that Major League Baseball has given clearance to scout events here as events are starting to ramp up. Of the four Twins draft picks, which we'll get a lowdown on from Sean Johnson, Three of the four are expected in town over the next week. That means they will undergo physicals. If they pass those physicals, they will sign contracts. The one that isn't coming to town at least immediately is the outfielder, the fifth-round pick, the kid from the high school kid from Hawaii, Rosario. But the Twins are still expected to sign him as well. Signing all four draft picks should not be an issue. It sounds like they're not going significantly over slot for any of the four. Yeah, they may manipulate their money a little bit. Maybe the fourth round pick, the pitcher from Laredo, Texas, maybe he gets a little bit over slot. Maybe somebody else gets a little under slot, like the outfielder from Tennessee who they took late in the second round. But I was told that it's not going to be significantly over slot for any of the four draft picks. On the NHL front, quickly, I continue to hear that many players are in summer mode. They want nothing to do with playing hockey starting in July. What remains to happen? 
We'll see. But I'm just telling you, the guys I've gone back and forth with, it is rare for me to hear from a guy that is like really pumped up to return to action next month. I'm telling you, whether it's safety concerns and or just being in summer mode, summer break, you know, mode, I'm telling you, a lot of guys just have no interest in resuming play this summer. On the Vikings front, Mike Zimmer gave a bunch of veterans this week off from virtual offseason activities. On the contract extension front, no new talks with Dalvin Cook, no new talks with Anthony Harris. We'll see where things go on Dalvin Cook. He would happily take the David Johnson contract, $13 million a year. Will the Vikings ever get to that point? That remains to be seen. I do think, now maybe I'm on an island on this, but I do think the closer we get to the end of July, presuming that training camp starts at some point in late July, that we don't have a bunch of COVID-19 spikes here in the next three, four, five weeks, that we can have an NFL training camp, presuming we do, I think the Vikings and Dalvin Cook's representation can come to some sort of happy medium. Let me wish a happy Father's Day to all the dads listening And let me wish a happy first Father's Day to some athletes I've covered. Jake Wenicke, the former Viking, the pride of Maple Grove. Phenomenal year last year in the Canadian Football League with Montreal. Tyus Jones, Tyler Duffy of the Twins, and our buddy Cole Aldrich, former Wolves big man, the pride of Bloomington Jefferson High School, one of the best players in Kansas Jayhawks history. We'll get Cole back in for a podcast in the near future. So a happy first Father's Day to those four guys that I've covered going back multiple years. All right, in no particular order, let's begin with Sean Johnson. Let's just continue since I had a couple Major League Baseball draft notes just now let's get to my conversation with sean johnson twin scouting director reviewing their draft class by the way i should mention as of the time of me recording this the twins have agreed to deals with three undrafted free agents i've tweeted the names so check my twitter shameless plug for my twitter d wolfs on kstp two pitchers and a catcher and they are pursuing a couple more they do think over the coming days we'll have agreements with at least two if not a few more undrafted free agents. All right, here's my conversation with Sean Johnson. Sean, now that you've had a few days to reflect upon what took place late last week, as you look back, did it go about as well as expected? Yeah, I think uh, when I think about how well it went, I start with the technology piece, um, you know, getting people on the same wavelength over a Zoom call. Uh, with nothing going out, no video blowing out or Wi-Fi going down, um, I can't think of one speed bump that we had. So I know that doesn't happen on accident. Uh, our our people did a, a great job behind the scenes to make sure we were ready for whatever came our way, and and uh, things went off without a hitch. All right, let's talk about each individual guy. That's the beauty of a five-round draft with only four draft picks, right? I can actually get analysis on all four guys. Let me start with Sabato. When – when did you guys lock in on Sabato? When did you realize, okay, if he's there at 27, he 100% is our guy? Yeah, I, I think we, you know, we learned from picking at 20 just two years ago that you kind of have to wait to see who's going to be around. And we talked about being at the mercy of how the board fell. And so I think we identified uh, a group of players that would be at maybe outcome A um, if you had to bucket them. And he certainly was in that group. So a guy we were hopeful that would would make it down our way, um, you know, hoping that the first base only part might push him down. Uh, obviously, we really value his bat, his offense, um, the power potential. So um, I think once a day, you know, the drafts kind of went – I think the names were – there weren't a lot of surprises, maybe one or two. Uh, but I think we had the names right and had a pulse on that. So. It was, you know, those are always exciting at the end when it's about time to pick and you're not sure exactly who's going to come off the board right before you go. So you have to stay nimble to the very last second. And uh, we were ready when it it was uh, Aaron on the board for us, and we were really excited. How confident are you that that he is a first baseman, that it's not, you know, you say first base only, that he's not DH only? Is there confidence that, that he absolutely can play in the field? Yeah, I mean... You know, he, he doesn't look like our classic, you know, middle of the diamond guy, but he, he actually did play shortstop in high school. And um, we think his hands and arm are fine. He should be fine at first base. And, um, but when people think about Aaron Sabato, they think about the offense. 
Um, so I, we think his, his defense will be good enough to play at, at first base long term. And again, the DH is more of a fallback thing. We didn't have him boxed in as a DH long term, but um, we're hoping that the first base thing is real. Did I see that he had a good game against Max Meyer? He did. As good as you can do against Max Meyer, who is, you know, a pretty tough at bat for any college player. Um, yeah, he was able to handle him. But I think Max got him too a little bit. So, you know, that's what you get when you got two power guys going at each other. There's going to be some give and take. But um, I think if you get a double off Max Meyer, you, uh, you call that a win. You guys locked in. I mean, you know, you had a good sample size of, of Aaron. I mean, even going back, like I think about last year, just, you know, with, with another local name, the Bush kid who went to Simley High School in Invergrove Heights, he was a first-round pick, went where? To the, to the Dodgers, like in the early 30s. So, like, you guys had a lot of eyeballs last year on North Carolina. So, presumably, you saw Sabato a bunch last year. Then the sample size of, I guess, February and early March, you guys had enough eyeballs on him? Yeah. So, uh, like you said, we, a lot of us went in to see North Carolina, at least for a game. We probably had 10 or 12 people see Michael Bush. And uh, so, yeah, we saw Sabato then. You know, he had the, he had the shoulder injury that he didn't get to play in the summer. So there's some risk there, not seeing what he did with the, with the uh, either with the USA team or in the Cape Cod or wherever he might have been. So, um, you know, looking at what he did in 2019 rivals just almost any player that went off the top of the board in the draft last week. So um, you, you wonder if those are, you know, um, just a one-time fluke deal or if that's really who he is. But you know, going back to our the opinions of our scouts, uh, our our guys on the that were looking at his swing on the, on our PD side, we all had a lot of alignment on what he thought, what we thought he would do, and 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 what he did was real in 2019. So you know, you look at the on base, he does have some strikeouts, which you know every every guy that has power usually strikes out a little bit to get to that power, um, but he was able to you know he he can draw a walk. Um, we're looking at his at bats. They're all really good. He, I think he knows when to swing and not to swing. And I think, you know, doing that at such a young age, you know, he's only 20 years old and to do that, what he did last year um, is pretty impressive for, for anybody in the ACC. No question. He's got power to all fields. Yeah. I mean, you, you can pull up a, anything on Twitter. You, you can see him leaving the park. Um, from right to left, it doesn't matter. He can, you know, he can drive the ball to all fields easy. We've seen home runs to right center, to dead center, missiles to left, you know, down the line. High, you know, the high, you know, the high shots, the two irons. He he has pretty much every shot in the bag. So um, impressive, yeah, power display. There's there's no doubt about it. And speaking of no doubt about it, I mean, zero sideability issues. I mean, maybe you even have an agreement here in the in the near future. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope is that um, all, for all four guys, um, we'll have them sign relatively soon. So there's no real concerns at this point. So it's just a matter of negotiating the contracts. And, and uh, but I think we're in a good spot on all four guys. What's the process with that? Will you fax each of the four a contract, have them sign it, then the contract is, you know, contingent upon whenever they can come to town to take a physical? Yeah, so really the process every year is um, we – once we agree to terms, we will send that uh, contract, usually to the agent for them to review, to show the family, make sure everybody's comfortable with it. And then once that's done, we end up bringing the player usually into town in a normal year. Um, so that's usually our process on, on, the, on the signing side. All right, tell us about the second round pick, the, the young man from Tennessee. Yeah, Solari, uh, it's kind of the same deal as Stavato. Uh, you, you look at his 2019 numbers, they're – in the top five or six of any player, J.J. Bladey, you name it, um, the numbers he put up were impressive. So, um, you know, he's he doesn't have huge raw power like Sabato, um, but he's always had really good bat-to-ball skills. Uh, going back as, even to San Jack when he was in junior college, he walked more than he struck out. I think he hit four, over 400 there with 10 home runs. Um, so he's always hit. He's always had showed really good plate discipline, which are two big check, uh, you know, check marks for us when we go through the list of what we're looking for in a Twins hitter. Um, so he's a hitter first. We think there's power there. There's more to come. 
and, um, you know, probably a corner outfielder in the end. I think he can stand in center. I think he's taking some reps at second base. But, again, this is a, a part where we just totally believe in our player development that if, 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 if he wants to play second, they'll explore it. Um, if he ends up in the outfield, so be it. But it's really about the offense, just much like Sabato. Um, and we're really banking on the 2019 performances and what he did last year. Um, but we believe it from a swing perspective approach. He's a really good competitor, um, a leader on that Tennessee team. And, you know, to get him in the second round, we were really thrilled. Is there strategy in going big bat, relatively big bat, back-to-back? Um, that's just kind of how it fell. Those guys are really at the very front end of our board. So we thought if we could get both those guys uh, in the, with our first two picks, picking at the bottom of the rounds, that that would be a win. And so um, I, I would say that was pretty close to plan A. You know, again, nothing set in stone. You want to stay nimble in case a pitcher slides down or there's another pitcher in that mix that you like that, that, that stacks up with that, those guys at that moment in time. But, you know, I've said it a hundred times and it's always true. We, we really just want to take the best guy on the board. Um, I know there was college pitching, there's college bats in this group. And, you know, we thought those were the strengths of the draft and, we ended up with two hitters. We could have easily ended up with two pitchers. Um, that's just really how it went. But those guys, again, were really at the top of our board. And to find a way to get both those guys and make them twins was a really good day. You realize if you had gone college pitcher 27, you would have owed me lunch. So now I owe you yeah. lunch. Yeah, I, I know that's a lunch. And I think you owe me another lunch uh, maybe Probably. a couple years ago, too. So <laughs> I'll just put it on your tab. Please do. Hey, I'm good for it. Whatever you want, you let me know. Trust me, I will. I honestly got, I'm good for it. So whenever you want to go to lunch, hey, finally restaurants are back open. So you let me know. But I mean, was it close? I mean, you know, did you come close to taking a college pitcher, whether 27 or, or in the second round? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you never want to narrow your, 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 your scope of picks there and just zero in on one guy. We always just look at that group that's, that's there on the board and say, which way do we want to go? What, what do we feel best about here? Um, and some of it's opportunity costs. You know, if we, if we take a player at, at a certain spot, we look and see, well, who might be left? Um, but at, at the end of the day, when it's time to make a decision, we just go with who we think is the best player on the board. And, but we always stay open-minded and consider all the options. And there's usually a, a three or four or five player uh, band there that, you're picking from so um it it just it's different every year it's a different experience every year um but we felt good about the choices we made i've heard a lot of good things about the high school pitcher you took in the fourth round an agent friend of mine he works for one of the bigger agencies he's not helping advise the young man but he's based in texas so he made the trip to laredo and saw this young man pitch multiple times he's convinced he told me the other night sean he goes if if raya ended up at texas tech this agent of a friend of mine said he's convinced in three years, the kid would have been a first round pick, you know? So he yeah. thinks you guys got a steal there in the fourth round. Yeah, we, we feel like we did too. Um, you know, I, this was a, just a great process for our group, uh, starting with Trevor Brown, our area scout who saw him early. Um, and we had seen him last summer as well. We saw him at, at an event in Fenway um, last fall. So we knew his name, but Trevor got out there early, made the long trek to Laredo. He lives in Dallas. Um, got out there early, saw him, got really excited, said, hey, we need to roll on this guy. So Mike Ruth, our Midwest uh, supervisor, saw him. Tim O'Neill, our assistant director, saw him. I actually saw him. I, I spent more time in Laredo this spring than I did in California, which is I spent zero days in California. I didn't make it there in time. But um, so all that that trip paid off for, for us and really happened for Trevor uh, to get his player that he loved and it just worked out. And I, I agree with all that. I think, you know, in three years from now, he'd be a really high pick coming out of tech. So um, great kid comes from a really good family. Um, you know, we fell in love with the player either through zoom or just Trevor talking about the player. So a lot of people involved here. Um, that was a name. That was a video I flipped to our our PD. All our coordinators were just like, "What's not to like here?" He's he moves really well. He's got two breaking balls, which we always lean towards. He's got a feel for a change. We've been up to ninety four. Um, I we think we're really excited about that pick. What is his best pitch? 
I think he would say his fastball and slider, which I would agree with. Um, you know, guys usually that age have a tough time separating their, their curveball and their slider, but he can. And he's got the right arm action, the right delivery. He's a solid athlete. He, he does all the things that we love in a foundation when we think about a high school pitcher or a pitcher in general. Uh, he really checked all of our, our boxes there, and um, we're just thrilled to have him. Glad it worked out for us. And the spin rate, did I see some stuff about the spin rate is, is off the charts? Uh, I think there's some video floating out there with like a 3,000 spin rate, which is really almost impossible. Um, you can't really believe all the things you see. That's one thing we learned right. about data. Four yeah, years that's probably what I saw. So, okay, so that's not true. Okay. Yeah, I, I would I would take the under on whatever number you saw. But we we do have some data that we, that we believe in that kind of suggests it's it's a, you know, there's something to work with there. But I think this guy's just tapping into his potential. He's, he's still 17 for most of the summer. And, um, but he's got a good head on his shoulder. He's got four pitches and he likes to compete. Uh, we'll take that all day. A little bit of a blue collar background. I mean, you said he comes from a great family, but like Laredo, like, can't you literally like throw a baseball to Mexico from Laredo? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of border patrol uh, vehicles you see just at the stoplight there in Laredo more than you'd see at any other town. Um, so it's a different place, obviously, but I, I don't, I, th I think it's uh, I actually enjoyed my day in Laredo. I hadn't spent much time there, but, um, I thought it was a nice place. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think he is a blue collar kid, but whether he is or not, I, I, I do know he's a, he's a really hard worker and he's ready for the, the journey he's about to go on as a pro. And you took another big bat in the, in the fifth round, a high school kid from Hawaii. I have a, I have a TV friend in, in Honolulu. He said a lot of good things about the young man. Yeah, uh, same deal as, as Marco. Uh, tremendous kid. I think his dad is a, is a fire chief there in Hilo. Um, his sister is an athlete at Cal Baptist. And, um, you know, just an awesome kid. We had a nice Zoom call with him. Um, you know, very professional He's been away from home quite a bit in his life already. So, you know, going all the way from Hilo to Fort Myers might be a long way for some of us at 17, but not this kid. This kid's ready to go. He's excited. Um, you know, tremendous power to the swing. And he's a pretty good athlete for his size and how big he is. He, he moves pretty well. So we, we think he'll end up in a, in a corner as well. Again, the draw is the raw power and a swing that our guys can work with and the right mentality to get to that power. So all those things kind of align for us. Uh, tremendous kid and, and really is going to fit in really well with our player development. And we've got time to be patient with him and, and uh, we think we'll, he'll fit in nicely. How do you explain him falling all the way to the 150s? Well, I'm sure some of that was probably due to the quarantine and you know, not a lot of people saw saw him play or got to see him work out before the draft. You know, usually the Hawaiian kids will come over to California and they'll jump into a workout or two, um, but that didn't happen. So I think the memories we have of him are clear back in August at the area code games primarily. So I think that factors in to some of it, you know, him being pushed down a, a tick. And just to reiterate, I mean, especially with the high school kids, I mean, Signability doesn't appear to be an issue that, that you'll get all four of these draft picks, including the two high schoolers, signed, sealed, and delivered? Yeah, yeah. Again, we're, I think we're, we're really close on all four. Um, so we'll know in the, in the short term here um, if we have any issues or not, but I don't, I don't anticipate any. Was there a strategy with the pool money and figuring out how to divvy up that pool money? Well, I think, I think our approach this year was – you know, let's just get the, the best four guys we can with the money we have. And if we don't spend every dime, we don't. If we, and if we do, that's fine too. But don't let that get in the way. Um, there's not that long-term play where you're trying to spread money through the first 10 rounds so, or maybe save it for somebody beyond the 10th. So we just, tried to, we just stuck, stuck with the mantra of let's go get the four guys we want. And however the money falls, it falls. How's un what is it undrafted free agency? I guess would be the way to term it. How's yeah. it going? I mean, to me, it's it's fascinating because, like, do you go back to college if you're a senior? You know, but you might be what like 23 years old. Heck, I saw the Phillies signed a high school kid. So, like, to me, it's just fascinating how 
on this undrafted free agency is working. Yeah. So we're, we're a day and a half into it. It's been uh, all over the board. There's some guys who yesterday they said, you know, I'm going to sign by nightfall. So, uh, okay, let's get going on that guy. And there's other kids who are just trying to feel it out and see what's out there and, um, or at least curious. And there's some guys that say, I'm probably going to sign within the week. So we've got a lot of resources, a lot of manpower, mainly on the player development side, um, from Jay-Z, Alex, uh, on down. Uh, we've got different things queued up for d- different players, depending on their interest level with this. So, um, you know, we've got, we've got Rocco and Kadir and Latroy and Tori and Derek and Thad, whoever, you know, that might help us, you know, move the kid in the right direction. We've, we've got those guys queued up and we need them. And, and, um, but a lot of these kids are all like we thought, we think we nailed that part of it. Every kid's on a little different path here. Some are really inclined to do it and they're going to sign no matter what. Some guys are kind of just dipping their toe in the water. So um, shifting gears, figuring out who to move in on and, and who's interested. There's a lot of balls being juggled in the air right now. I can tell you that. How many guys are off the board that you made offers to that, Hey, a lot of these guys I'm sure had five, 10, maybe 15 offers. I mean, you can only offer so much. So, I mean, how many guys did you offer on Sunday that, that ended up elsewhere? Uh, we've, we haven't offered that many that we've lost out on, believe it or not. So we've kind of been really um, diligent in our offers. I, I think our mindset here is, you know, we want to make sure that we're not signing players that can't make a, a roster next year. We don't want to sign a guy just to have him released. Um, in a few months from now. So we've kind of – there's a bar to clear. I mean, we, we could sign 30 guys in the next two weeks if we wanted to. But we feel like, you know, we don't have that many needs in our system right now. Um, you know, we we're keeping a ton of guys on our rosters as is. So without there being a season to be played, we want to make sure that it's, it's really a legitimate upgrade to our system. So we're not trying to go for volume here. There's some teams that are doing that. We're not one of them. Uh, you know, I think there's a team or two that signed eight guys yesterday. So yeah, we're really coach, being yeah. selective with our, our, the guys we're going after, making sure that they, that they are good fits, making sure that they are legit contenders to be on a roster next year for us. So we have some guidelines in place. So I don't think we're going to sign a ton of guys, nor because, we, A, we don't need to, and, B, we really only want guys that are legit upgrades to our system. But you got the the Atlantic 10 pitcher of the year. And again, to me, that's fascinating. Like, if he comes back to Fordham, like, could he have gone top 10 rounds in a year? Is the velo just not there? And thus he was going to get pushed down the draft board. But, like, to me, that's fascinating that he chose to to not go back to school. Yeah, well, you know, obviously we're glad that he chose to to jump in. And, again, like we've talked about before, there are guys that – just don't feel like they have much left to prove. And would they have gotten more money a year from now? Maybe. But, you know, our, our pitch to these players is get your pro career started now. Let's start working on the things that you need to work on to become a, a legit prospect in the minor leagues. And, and let's do it now. So, um, you know, some guys are into that and some guys are betting on themselves to go back and, and go higher, which we totally get to. So, we're just trying to be advantageous on the guys who are in that, you know, pool A where they look, I can go back and make more money either way. I'm going to have to get to the big leagues or get a job one day. So let's do it now. So that's kind of the, the, the pond we've been fishing in. I'll leave you with this. Like 2021 draft prep is like, it's, it's underway, right? Like you finally have the green light, not you specifically, although if you wanted to hop on an airplane, you could, but, like there's an event in Birmingham, Alabama later this week where, where you'll have representation, you'll send some scouts to? Yeah, so we're, we're going to have three uh, scouts. They're all going to be able to drive um, to Birmingham to go to that event. Perfect Game National, which is always the kickoff for the, 20, the next class. So we'd normally send six or seven guys to that, um, mainly area scouts who could get a chance to lay eyes on, their, on these players for the first time. And then – the supervisors, uh, myself, will kind of do zero in on some events later in the summer. Um, so we all get a chance to see the player. So um, the timeline may be a little different. I think they're moving a few events around. 
and maybe pushing a few back. So we're going to have to just stay nimble there from a scheduling standpoint. But at least we're going to get to see these guys this week and, and get a pulse on on the crop. And hopefully we get a chance to see, you know, more of the events all summer because they're all helpful. Um, getting at bats and innings against really like um, similar com- competition is huge. So uh, the more the merrier. You know, we're already missing out on the Cape and um, some other summer leagues. So we're going to do the best we can with, 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 the, with the hand we've been dealt. Twin scouting director Sean Johnson. Let's continue the draft theme. Late last week, the day after the first round, I guess it would have been what last Thursday, I hung out with Kent Meyer. That is Max Meyer's dad. We talked about Max being the first pitcher off the board, going number three overall to Miami. Miami came in late. For a while, the family thought that Max was on his way to the Toronto Blue Jays organization, that they had come close to negotiating a deal with Toronto. They thought he would be on the board at pick five, but then Miami hopped in. The slot for pick three is $7.2 million. Ultimately, Max is not getting that much, so Miami able to save money on Max Meyer's bonus, but make no mistake, the Miami Marlins are thrilled that they got Gophers pitcher, the pride of Woodbury, Max Meyer. Here's my conversation with Max's dad, Kent Meyer. Kent, just take us through the emotion. So last night, the phone rings, whether it was Max's advisor, whether it was somebody from the Marlins, when you found out that moment that your son was going number three overall. Yeah, we had a couple of you know, phone calls, so it was pretty interesting for for probably about 20 minutes uh, before the draft. We had uh, we had an offer um, you know, from another team, so so we knew there was a lot of interest uh, you know, early, which was just crazy. You know, when the when that first um, you know offer came in and we had a, a chance to sit down and negotiate, um, it was just like, oh, this is really happening. It's just, it's just a crazy feeling, and and uh, I mean you. Had, you know, we kind of knew it, it, it might happen or it was going to happen, but it's still that, that, you know, when it's happening, it's just like, it's just, you're in, uh, you're in dreamland. And then, and then, uh, you know, the draft starts and then we get another phone call from the Marlins and it was a, it was a bang, bang thing. We had a, we had to negotiate a fairly quick and uh, yeah, it was, it was fun that Max got an opportunity to do that and, and we had help from his agents and everything and, uh, but it was a, it was a great experience. Does the cliche hold true that the time flies? Like, can you visualize? Like, we've seen the picture. I think it was MLB.com did the story, and it's Max as a nine-year-old with with his teammates. Like, does that just like to use? Yeah. Does does that seem like it was almost like yesterday? It it does. It, you know, every every parent talks about it, right? That uh, you know, time goes way too fast, and it and it has. It's just it's just crazy. Um, yeah, it, it's just you know, one of those things where. You wish you could could remember better, you know, some of the things that that happened and everything. But um, yeah, every uh, the ride was unbelievable, and just uh, you know, just saying to every parent, just enjoy it you know, while it's there because it goes quick. It's just yeah, it's just just so fun. When did you realize my son has a chance to to do something special? Yeah, I mean. You know, all parents think they can see things in the kids, right? You get, uh, you know, sometimes it's an issue, but I, I really, you know, knew it right away. You know, he, he just had that passion, but, you know, it's uh, instincts, you know, his hand-eye coordination, his athleticism, but uh, it, it all came down to his um, competitiveness and, and passion for baseball. He just always wanted to be out there, and then, you know, just, uh, you know, hours and hours that we played, it was just, you know, Every every year, it just got more apparent that yeah, this kid is, has got it. So you're just um, you're just kind of waiting for other people to see it, and you know there was people that saw it along the way and everything. But um, you know those those instances when when finally somebody sees it, I I had them at a at a perfect game showcase down in Iowa, and we just did it at the last minute because because we hadn't done anything like that, and I wanted to see if I could get them seen by somebody. So we drove down there. I think it was like. Uh, during his sophomore year, actually, there was a weekend that that we could do it. So we we went down there. Long story short, we were walking to the car, and these guys are running out. You know, after them, two guys like a minute apart. They're like, "Hey, Meyer, Meyer, awesome job, awesome job!" And I look at Max like, "Do you see any other kids getting this? People running, you know, after you? It's like, Max, this is crazy. It's like 
they finally see it. So pretty sweet. How did he end up going the baseball route? Correct me if I'm wrong. You have a football background, right? Did you play football at St. Olaf? So how did Max end up going? And, and I know he played hockey, but how did he end up settling on, okay, baseball is my number one sport? Yeah, we just had him in everything when uh, when they were younger and this. I didn't, you know, I, you know, I, um, Max played football. He played football all the way through, you know, eighth grade. And then when it got time to be a light heavyweight, Max is like, I don't want to play with the lightweights. I want to play with the heavyweights. And they wouldn't let him. So then he just quit. So that was the end of football. But I, you know, I never, you know, said, no, let's keep playing and everything. You know, he didn't want to, but, um, you know, hockey was a passion of his. Um, you know, baseball, it was obviously the thing that, that I saw him, um, you know, going to keep doing all the way because it was just, you know, far and above everything else. But, but uh, yeah, it was just whatever they wanted to do. I got an, another son, Ben, and he, uh, you know, he wanted to play basketball. He didn't want to play hockey, and he didn't want to play football either. But he's 6'4". He's he could have been probably an all-pro lineman. He's a freaky athlete. But he didn't, he didn't like, you know, uh, football. So, yeah, we didn't make him play. He he played uh, baseball at St. Thomas and and uh, and basketball. So, yeah. I mean, in that regard, I mean, I have to imagine having an older brother. Like, was Max always just right by his side and and playing with older kids because of older brother? Yeah, I'd I'd be working all day construction and I'd come home and I'd, I'd just be tired and these these two guys would just be sitting by the door. Hey, Dad, let's go play ball. Let's go play ball. And it's like you just kind of drag yourself out because you you love to play with your kids. So, we just. Um, yeah, both those guys were just side by side, and and uh, yeah, obviously, you know, Max, uh, Max um, followed Ben all around. He was, you know, he was his, uh, you know, idol. I mean, growing up, it was, you know, he just wanted to be like Ben, and he wanted Ben to, to, to see that that he was getting better, and and you know, want to play with him more and more. So yeah, it was it was awesome having Ben. Ben's the Ben's the reason Max is here today. Is Max now officially the, the best athlete in the family, or does mom even stake claim to that? Do you stake claim to that? Does older brother stake claim to that? We would all argue probably. We're all so competitive and whatever. Uh, my wife's a great athlete, um, but yeah, and, and Ben's a great athlete, like I said, but we'd, we'd probably have to give it to Max. <laughs> he's He's got a little bit of a, a little uh, fire in him and... It kind of, I mean, kind of a mean streak. You you have to have a, a little bit of an edge and everything to get, uh, you know, where you want to go. And you know, if you want to be great, you you got to want to want to be great. And you know, he's a kid that just wants it and will will kind of do what it takes to get there. So yeah, yeah, he's probably the better athlete of everybody. Where did that fire come from? I mean, I'd argue it's it's more than a little. It's it's a lot. Like I picture the the UCLA game, mm -hmm. that would have been his freshman year, right? The the regional at at yeah. Seabird, like. He just, he has this bulldog about him, like, you know, I'm better than you and I'm going to show you that I'm better than you. You know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you've all seen the picture of him with the, with Logan Welch grabbing his thing and, you know, that's all, all in fun and games, but, you know, a little, a little bit of that he meant, right? But, but he, he, he was doing it to be funny, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's just him. It's just, uh, you know, in this, this great town of Woodbury, we've had, you know, great coaches, you know, all the way up. And he gets a lot of that from, from their passion and drive. You know, um, you know, he's, he's got God-given ability and you know, he's, you know, God gave him that, that uh, you know, inner drive to, you know, to be like that. But it's, uh, it's just, you know, something that just is, uh, it, it's always been there. And it's just, um, it's, it's unique. And it's, uh, it's, it's what, it's what all the great ones have. You got to have, you know that little fire and, and whatever, and you know a lot of it is being small. It, it, you know it's that uh, little brother mentality that uh, you know psychology guys talk about all the time, and so you know that's that's a lot to do with it too. It's just he's he's always had that chip in his shoulder, and I, I always tell him it's like don't don't ever lose that chip. There's a guy right behind you that that wants to take your spot. Never never lose that chip. You got to play it. Oh, and and a lot of it is probably from watching Rocky. He, he loves the Rocky series too. <laughs> it's that it's that underdog mentality, and it's like you you knock me down, you better kill me because I'm coming after you. <laughs> like Eye of the Tiger, a song before he you know starts. He loves that. He loves that stuff. And I I did as a kid too. So it was a it, it was uh, sitting in the car listening to all my stuff, right? <laughs> so okay, so yeah, God given ability, but somebody taught him that slider. Like that slider, that's a major league baseball pitch 
right now. In fact, I'm not even sure there's there's 10 better sliders on the planet. So like, where where did the slider come from? He, you know, like I say, he's, he's had coaches all the way up and it, it's just refining it. You know, he doesn't hold that slider the same same way that he did in, uh, you know, seventh, eighth grade. It, it's always been, you know, and he'll, I think he's out, he, he's been quoted here uh, recently that he, uh, he changed something up his senior year and, and then, you know, he's, he's always kind of fiddling with it, but he's got such a feel when he's got a baseball in his hand that he's able to, you know, if a coach says, hey, I want it to go a little bit more here, a little bit bigger bite. He's able to figure it out, and it's a, it's a crazy, yeah, it, it's a crazy instinct that he has and a feel for the for the game. There are three golfers who have gone top five in history: Dave Winfield, Paul Molitor. I mean, think about those two guys, Hall of Famers. I mean, what's it like when I say that that your son is now in the same breath as Molitor and Winfield? Yeah, it's a, it's unbelievable. It's, it really is. It's just you know it. It, it's crazy. It's just you know, and and you know I, you know I think it's funny because I I wrote their name names down on a, a piece of paper. You know, um, Mulder, Winfield, uh, Mauer, and it's just you know, and then I put Meyer. Meyer's the next one, and it's like you know, not that he deserves to be there now because he doesn't, um, but uh, he's he's got the gifts I think, and I, I'm his dad, so I, you know whatever. Forget about what I think, right? But, but I, I believe he's got the the gifts if and and he's got the drive that he has potential to get to maybe where they're at. And I mean, it, it's a long shot, but if if anybody is going to do it, I'm I'm not betting against Max to to be able to be in their their spot at you know someday. When did you write down those names? Uh, you know, like a month ago, I was I was, I was trying to think of a different. Uh, ways that you know maybe the agents can approach some of these teams and stuff and you know try to kind of research some uh, you know, similarities about those guys but yeah it was it was about a, a month ago i wrote it down but i i never did give it to anybody because i'm like this is stupid they're not gonna it's, it's from their dad right forget it <laughs> but yeah that's fantastic so like i had heard for a while in fact john anderson had had kept me in the loop that that it seemed like his his floor was the rockies at nine you know, then you started to hear, okay, the Padres at eight have interest. Then sort of the late buzz, okay, Kansas City at four, Toronto at five. Uh, take me through just how Miami at three came into the picture. It's just, um, you know, I think teams were, and I've always said, you know, I don't know why Detroit, I mean, Detroit never called or whatever, and it's, I just I just don't even understand that. It's like a, you got a kid, I mean, they came to the games and they saw what it was, but when you got a kid on a mound that's got a, a, a mound presence like that and, and a passion and he and plus he's got the stuff it's like I, I just think that you know they're they're missing out it's just that uh, you know it's a, I, I think the other teams finally you know started digging into this kid and then I, I think it's also a great thing you know the zoom coverage that they've had so far Max Max um, is, is pretty comfortable in front of it now so now these these teams got to see the real Max and and um, Max isn't like me. I'm 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 pretty nervous or whatever. But Max is pretty comfortable right now, and he, his, you know, who he is really came out in those Zoom interviews. So when when he interviewed with with Toronto, when he when he just interviewed with Miami three days ago, they saw who he was and 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 how couldn't you want that kid on your team? He's he's gonna bring championships to your team. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah. I'll leave you with this. Yeah. There was an article that that said I was a uh, that I was going to tear up. Don't make me tear up, man. <laughs> I won't make you tear up. Okay. Although I, I think that was back in in after a senior year at Woodbury, right when the the hometown Twins took him. When you knew he wasn't going to sign as a 34th round pick, but even then no, you did when, you did tear up, or is that story not true? Your kid gets drafted by the MLB when it's something that you've dreamt about your whole life. It's just like. Bam! It just hits you, and it's like right when it hit. I, I was out here pulling weeds, out, and and I had my headset on listening to the draft, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like running inside. Kathy, they just said Max, and then Max comes home and he's just laughing. I'm like, hey, I heard I got drafted. It's like, yeah, but I mean, we knew he wasn't gonna go, but it's still, it's hearing your name that that somebody thought enough of him, you know, to draft him, and that's why, you know, this too. It's like you're, you know, it's gonna come. But until you hear somebody actually pick him, then it and it just hits you. And it's like, hey, somebody wanted this kid, and he and he sees what it is. They're not talking about him being short anymore, you know. It's awesome. Awesome.
it's a weird time right now. We all understand that with with the pandemic, with we could argue a racism pandemic, multiple pandemics. But is one benefit the potential of there's not going to be a minor league season? So why wouldn't, assuming we have a major league season, to me it makes it makes logical sense that that Max at some point maybe it's not right away, but you know, 30 games in, why wouldn't he be in the Marlins bullpen before this year is over? Yeah, I mean, the only reason would be money if a, if a team, you know, didn't want to, you know, start his clock or whatever. But he, he's ready to go. He he doesn't care if you're uh, your judge sitting up there, if you're, uh, uh, who's, who's a great? Uh, trout. Trout. <laughs> if you're Trout sitting there, man, Max is going to bring the same bulldog mentality and he's going to, you know, try to strike him out. And it's just... Uh, I I don't understand why why anybody wouldn't want to you know bring that you know I think I think Miami you know looking at their roster they've got so many young talent that, that's ready to go I think I think if you know it, it's awesome to bring that young stuff up together you know like our twins in uh, in '87 it was just a group of guys that that grew up in the minors together and they they started going up but it's like I think you just put those pieces together in a in a season like now and you just you you try to win the whole thing it's like it's I mean, it's such a, it's going to be such a unique season because of, of how it's going to run. It's like anybody could probably win it. So why not try to win it? And Max will help you win it. And I'll leave you with this. This just hit me. I, I said bullpen just because I think with the shortened season, oh, yeah. I don't know if you rush him into starting, but, but clearly the long-term goal is, especially when you take him three overall, with the long-term goal for him, for the organization, that, that they do view him as a starter. Well, that's a great point. I think, um, I, I mean, it. They've had many many examples of this. Chris Sale, I mean, he he his first maybe year and a half he was he was the reliever, and then and then they put him into into the starter role. It's like you know Max can do that. It's like and and he would love it, and and you know a team would be better off for it. just just to you just to have him around a team. I, I've I've always said you know he makes the team better around him just because he uses you know his confidence. And you know, just having him out there on a—I mean, he's going to be the same player as he was nine years old grabbing that kid. If uh, if one of the Miami guys does something, he's going—no, he won't. But <laughs> but uh, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like his his mentality and his confidence is always going to be there when he's on the mound. So use him, and yeah, he he would love to be a reliever. Max Meyer's dad, Kent Meyer, fun guy. I mean, heck, he gave me a Ric Flair woo. In the middle of that interview. So, yeah, that was fun bonding with Max Meyer's dad late last week. I've been asked a lot about J.D. Spielman, Eden Prairie native, Nebraska transfer. Is there a chance? Rick Spielman's son, is there a chance he lands with the Gophers? I'll reiterate that there is mutual interest. But unfortunately for Gophers fans, it's just not trending in the direction of J.D. landing here in town. I am positive the Gophers would welcome him with open arms, but it's way more layered than that. Bottom line, I do not, unless some things change, I do not foresee J.D. Spielman landing with the Gophers. On the Gophers men's basketball front, a bunch of the new guys will arrive into town this weekend. I know Liam Robbins arrives on Saturday, Martise Mitchell. So guys are coming back to campus as we await when workouts can ramp up. On Robbins, he... Submitted the waiver. You know, he's trying to be eligible right away. So he submitted the waiver to the NCAA many weeks ago. I saw that DJ Carton, the Ohio State transfer point guard, had his waiver approved. So he is eligible immediately at Marquette. Now there's some mental health issues there with Carton, but I wonder if that is good news for others like Robbins, who hopes to be eligible right away. My understanding is Drake is being cooperative. He's got his uncle here. He's got his cousin here. His uncle is Gophers associate coach Ed Conroy. So there's a pretty good case, a compelling case, for Liam Robbins to be eligible right away. But, yeah, I get it. There's still some uncertainty just because the NCAA is so unpredictable. I do think Booth Gotch, the Austin, Minnesota native, the Utah transfer, will be eligible. He is working on that. He's got an attorney working on his behalf. I do foresee Booth Gotch being eligible Right away. I caught up with Booth the other night after he committed to the Gophers, and I asked him, at least the first question to him was, why, Booth, did you choose Minnesota? You know, it was a hard uh, hard decision. I had, you know, five really good schools that, you know, that I was really interested in, but at the end of the day, you can only pick one university or ten. And, you know, for me, you know, I had to look at, you know, other factors other than basketball. 
you know, the fact of just being close to my family during the difficult times, you know, there's some things going on with my family right now and health issues and things like that. But, you know, for me, it came down to, you know, bigger than basketball at the point, but also looking at, you know, where I'm a fit best, you know, at a program, you know, where I feel like I can excel on and off the court. You know what, though, because of, of your family's situation, because of the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, I mean, was this actually a pretty easy decision when, when factoring those two things into the equation? Uh, yeah, like I said, you know, I also, also had three, you know, schools and all that were really, you know, that got my attention, you know, really close to home in Iowa State and Creighton. I was really interested in those schools as well. And then, you know, I just kept on going on, you know, to me, you know, came to Minnesota being the best fit for me overall, you know, looking at different factors, like I said, you know, Minnesota, you know, is the right fit for me. Take us through the conversation you had, presumably, it was what, just a couple hours ago, you officially called Coach Patino to give him the good news? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I called him, told him, you know, I was, you know, happy and excited to, you know, be back home, uh, play in front of me, you know, the home crowd and home state, and have a uh, chance to play with my family uh, in front of their faces and eyes uh, once again. So, you know, he was happy, I was excited, my family was excited, you know, we're just happy to uh, be back home. What has he told you, Booth, about how he envisions using you? I mean, would it be comparable to how he used Amir Coffee a couple of years ago? Yeah, you know, summer, something similar like that, you know, being put in the position, you know, that he was, but, you know, also doing, you know, things that, you know, are to my strengths as well. So, you know, talking to him, you know, he has a really good plan for me, and I'm go ahead and, you know, stick to that. You have a lot of strengths. One thing that caught my eye from, from last year, though, was your three-point shooting percentage, because I know – you're a lot better than a 25% three-point percentage shooter. So yeah. what, I guess, take us through what, what took place last year, why you shot only 25%, and, and, you know, I'm sure that's something you're working on this offseason, and I know you can shoot a better percentage than that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, before I got hurt last year, uh, I was actually shooting way better than that. And then I got hurt. Uh, I actually got Oscar Slaughter in my knee where I couldn't get any lift up. I couldn't, you know, barely jump or barely move. And I was still playing on it, you know. So I have, you know, playing on that. I went 0 for 30, you know. I wasn't shooting the way I, sh uh, you know, shoot the basketball. So, you know, that's, you know, brought the percentage down a lot. You know, obviously going 0 for 30, that's going to bring it down a lot. So, for me, it was just, you know, I was playing injured on that, you know, trying to fight through it, trying to help the team win and all that. Team player, you know, that's things I'm going to do. Like, I feel like I can be on the court. I'm going to do, I'm going to try, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes you got to look at it as, you know, as a safety issue, you know something I should have done, you know, probably sat out and not, you know, try to be a tough guy, you know, fight it out. But, you know, during those times, you know, it was just hard for me because I wasn't hitting any shots, didn't have any lift in my in my, in my legs and anything like that. So that's that's a big reason why. How's your health now? Oh, man, I feel really good. Really good. I'm excited. Re yeah, ready to rock and roll. So the knee is the knee is back to just about 100%? Yep. yep. I'm feeling all good. Good. And is that one thing that, that Gophers fans maybe should know about you, that that nobody should ever question your toughness? Just look at last year and everything that you played through? Yeah, I don't, yeah you know, for me, I'm, I'm always going to fight through, you know, fight through hard times and all that. You know, Gophers fans, just, you know, so respect someone who's going to, you know, fight hard, always going to compete and get, you know, get the gym rocking. How important is it for you to play on the ball at least a little bit? Presumably Marcus Carr is back, and you know that he's going to be the lead guard but that you do want to play somewhat on the ball. Yeah, you know, definitely. You know, we're, you know, I've, watching, I've been watching a lot of film on Marcus and the team and all that. That's something he's really good at, and it's something I'm really good at, you know. So, you know, you just got to look at it as, you know, as two guards, you know, that are really good with the ball, and that's going to be hard to stop, you know, in the conference and any team we're playing. You know, you got two guards that can get down to heel and make plays and all that. So, I'm, you know, really excited playing with them. Have you had a chance to talk to Marcus or text with Marcus? Yeah, yep, I've been texting him. So, I mean, already forming that bond, I mean, do you like what you've heard from him so far? Yeah, definitely. You know, just we started asking questions and all that. You know, I told him I've been, you know, watching film on him and, you know, he's excited and all that. So, let's get it, let's get it going. What was, or is it still in existence, the, the pre-draft process? You did enter your name into the, into the NBA draft pool. Is that still an ongoing process? Have you talked to some NBA teams? Yeah, of course. I've talked to a couple of NBA teams. And, you know, for me right now, you know, be, you know, having, you know, go back to college, you know, just pick, you know, college I'm going to uh, pretty soon here. I'm going to be taking my name off the draft. So, and, you know, returning back for my junior year as well. You've played at least, what, a couple games at Williams Arena? I think about 2017, your run with the Austin Packers. And I yeah, think about a yep. couple of years ago when, when you guys with the Utah Utes played the Gophers 
at Williams Arena, right? So at least a couple right. games at, at Williams. Yeah, I probably got maybe three or three or three games under my belt over there. So, you know, I like you know I like the arena. It's nice and you know, got good atmosphere and everything. So I'm excited to and looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I've always heard it's a really good gym, arena to, to shoot in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. just from your experiences playing at Williams, I mean, you're excited to call that your home arena? Oh, yeah, man. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to call it home, you know? Give Is there fun. a sense, Booth, a sense that, that you'll be granted a waiver, that, that you'll be able to play immediately next year just because of everything going on in your, you know, personal situation and the fact that, it's not like you're going to Auburn, Alabama, right? I mean, yeah. there's a reason, reasons. It's a good fit basketball-wise, Booth, but the fact that, that you're now as close to home as, as you can be. Yeah, you know, that's the case, you know. Uh, just still got to talk to, you know, with my, with my team and all that, you know. Not sure how, they, you know, the waiver uh, process and all that stuff goes and, you know, that other stuff. I'm not, you know, really familiar with it. But, you know, from what I've been hearing, you know, and, you know, what my family's been through, I feel like we, are, we, have, we have a good case coming up. What was it like calling the other four coaches to let them know that that thanks for recruiting me, but unfortunately I'm not coming to your school? Uh, it, it was tough, you know. You can just, it, was just, it was a tough conversation I had to have with these coaches and all that, you know. All those coaches were really – I was talking to every head coach about three times a day or so, two times a day. So, they're, you know, always keeping in contact. So, you know, at the end of the day, when you, you know, losing on a, on a you know, really good player, you know, it's always going to suck for the program. Tell us a little bit more about your game. I mean, what should Gophers fans know about your game as they start to get to know more about you? Uh, you know, some of that, you know, play multiple positions. Uh, we us get on transition and run. Uh, get the fans going, you know, just just make plays happy. You know, I'm, a, I'm one of those guys, you know, that like, you know, get the fans going. If You know, I know we got some, you know, a couple of athletic guys on the team and all that. So, you know, you might see some things thrown off the backboard and dunks and all that, man. It's all about having fun on the court, man. I just hope Gopher fans can all can adapt to that and get get ready for that. Some might remember you from the game last November. Unfortunately, that game was on the Pac-12 network that a lot of people in the in the Minnesota viewing area just don't have access to. But a few do, so they would have seen you. I mean, you kicked the Gophers' butt that November night. I mean, yeah. you know, you were you were the best player on the floor. You had a lot to do with with Utah beating the Gophers. Do you remember a lot about that game? Yeah, I do. You know, it was, it was a it was a game I was really looking forward to. I saw during that week, I was, I was telling my teammates, I, was, I told them we're gonna win this game, and I'm a, and I'm gonna I'm play my you know hardest, and I'm gonna have a good game. You know, unfortunately, the game came. I had a good game. We won. You know, it was this game I was really looking forward to. Is the Kentucky game another game from last year that really sticks out? Yeah, you know, I had a couple you know big games you know against some big teams and all that. So, you know, I'm always juiced up when when I see a team you know where I feel like you know they got something that. You know, I got to prove myself. I'm going to come out and prove myself. What are you working on? I'll let you go after this. I mean, you just came from a workout. When you're yeah. in the gym right now in the coming weeks, you know, presumably you'll, you'll be on campus at some point here in, in the near future. But before you get to campus, what are some individual things that you're working on? Uh, just working on my shooting. Like you said, you know, trying to get that 25%. Up. I'm feeling, you know, 100% healthy right now. So my shot's really looking, uh, looking really good right now. Shooting, trying to get my range out a little bit more and just, Working on my ball handling, uh, decision making, things like that, and it's also being uh, one thing I'm trying to add on to my, is my post game. You know, being able to post up smaller defenders. Being for me, being at six seven, you know, that's something I got to get better at. You know, so I've been just working on you know a lot of things. You know, that can you know translate to you know many different things. Is your phone just blowing up? I mean, how many text messages? How many how many different Twitter notifications? I mean, the phone just blowing up. Man, I'm a, I'm gonna turn off this phone here pretty soon. I can't deal with it anymore, man. But, you know, it's all, it's all fun. Though. It's always good to see you know, people you know, showing their support and love and all that. But, yeah, my phone's just been going crazy ever since. New Gophers wing, although he'll play some on the ball, from Austin, Minnesota, Booth Gotch. I caught up with Booth late Monday afternoon. I was made aware after my conversation with Booth of a report from the Maryland rival site that said if he could have gotten a waiver to play immediately in College Park, Maryland, that he would have gone to Maryland, that Maryland would have been his choice. I can't confirm that. I can tell you that there is a belief that he will be eligible immediately here in his home state, and that absolutely factored into the equation, as did a situation with his mom. It's not like his mom is is on her deathbed, but she is dealing with a health situation, so I know he wants to be close to her. So, hey, right place, right time, right for the Gophers to land Booth. But do I think he had genuine interest, a lot of interest in Maryland? Yes, I do. 
All right, so think about it. If Liam Robbins gets the waiver, I think Booth Gotch gets the waiver. I mean, you could have a starting lineup next year of Marcus Carr. I see Marcus back, Gabe Kausher, Booth Gotch, Brandon Johnson, the transfer from Western Michigan, and Liam Robbins with a pretty good bench. I mean, if Eric Curry can give them anything, he's eligible next year. You've got Jamal Mashburn Jr. You've got Isaiah Enan. You've got Trey Williams. I mean, you've got some guys. I think Martise Mitchell has a chance maybe in two years. I think he'll need a good year to get stronger. But, I mean, they have some options. So you start to really like that roster. The Big Ten will be deep. I mean, there's some good teams. Wisconsin will be good. Iowa, you know, presuming that Garza's back. I mean, there's going to be some really good teams. Michigan State is always good. Ohio State should be pretty good. Indiana, there's a belief that Indiana will have a better year next year. So the Big Ten is loaded. But you think about Liam Robbins potentially being eligible with Gotch eligible, the Gophers would have a chance to be pretty good next year. All right, we are done here on this podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 301. Stay safe, stay sane.